0: Do babies have a natural instinct to sleep?
1: Getting a better understanding of what my partner needed and what my children really needed, that's made a huge difference.
0: Yes, otherwise I can get a little bit overwhelmed. (laughs) Yeah, I think lots of parents can relate to that. You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt. When kids reach a certain age, they can get a little fixated on bodily functions. Words like poo, fart and bum cause eruptions of gigglings and have generated a rather niche market in the world of children's authors. Simon Miller is a songwriter and storyteller who collaborated with Arne Doe on the book's What do they do with all the poo from all the animals in the zoo? He also spends his time tutoring in language and running creativity workshops with Indigenous youth in regional and rural Australia. Kindling producer Elise Cooper caught up with Simon to find out more about the man behind the gorgeous book and funny songs. Hi, Simon.
2: Thank you very much. Great to be here.
0: Absolute pleasure to have you. Uh, Now, the book he wrote with Ando,
1: actually, it poses a legit question, what do they do with all the poo from all the animals at the zoo. Now, I'm genuinely intrigued, but before we get into the nitty-gritty of zoo poo, uh, let's just take a quick listen to some of the song you wrote to go along with the book.
2: Well, my brother told me the other day that big trucks come and take it away and they mix it with all kinds of material and make it into children's breakfast cereal. But my sister said that's not right. She said that they pick it all up at night and they mix it all in a big machine and make it into chocolate ice cream. Lucky I
0: prefer strawberry flavour.
1: I will say, Simon, when I first listened to this, I may have almost wet myself laughing. Um, how on earth did this collaboration with Ahn come about?
2: The, the actual, I wrote this song about 10 years ago. Oh, maybe even longer, maybe 12 years ago when my son, who was about four, we we're at Taronga Park Zoo and my son asked me that question because we were in front of the uh, elephant enclosure watching the elephant relieve himself and my son turned to me uh, and said, Dad, what do they do with all the poo?
1: Was that one of those moments where you just try and pull an answer out of the air?
2: No, it was one of those moments where I said, let's find out, son.
1: Excellent.
2: Um, And as it turns out, they actually bag it up and sell it to people for their gardens.
1: Oh, fertiliser. Yeah. Of course.
2: You can buy bags of it and take it home and put it on your roses.
1: So they don't put it on breakfast cereal.
2: Well, I thought that was a little bit boring. So (laughs) on the trip home, we had a discussion about some other possibilities.
1: That's fabulous. I will say, um, the illustrations in this book, there's a particular one where there's poo on a pizza, and I had quite a visceral reaction to it. (laughs) Because it's not, I mean, it. It's just a little bit of brown, but there's something. To look at it going. That's mm, not pepperoni. I'll
2: have three slices of donkey, and Please. Yeah. I
1: mean, I'm all about upcycling and recycling. And well, yeah. I think that's
2: the that's the underlying message, isn't it? Underneath, you know, there's a something in that for all of us.
1: Exactly. So you collaborated with Arne on this. How was working with him?
2: He was fantastic. He is passionate and driven about this sort of thing. He already had uh, quite a successful series of books, the Weirdo books. Uh, and one day I was working away in the music shop where I worked, moving at piano, and his manager just rang me up out of the blue and said, Arne's kids really love those songs. Uh, how, the, how the actual songs came about, I used to travel around Australia with a lady called Mary May Gill, mm. who's a great friend of mine, and we used to do uh, an adult sort of country and western show, not really poking fun at country music, but more celebrating its foibles and idiosyncrasies.
1: Like, I got a dog and then I lost my dog. yeah. And,
2: yeah. <laughs> play the record backwards and the dog comes home (laughs) and your truck starts and your wife doesn't leave all that all (laughs) those jokes and we were somewhere in the absolute middle of nowhere drinking bad coffee and eating bad food at a truck stop and mary may suggested that we do a kids show because we could do that during the day make a little bit of extra petrol money and do our regular show for the big kids that night so she charged me to go off and write a, a show of songs for kids Uh, And shortly after that, I had the um, zoo experience with my son. (laughs) And of course, our kids' show sort of eclipsed our adult show and we sort of abandoned that and just went for a number of years, went full on doing sort of the festival circuit, doing the kids' shows.
1: So you went, all right, I really enjoy doing country, sort of country music, country music that pokes fun at itself, but it turns out Zoo Poo...
2: Is is was that, where is that? Is well a little yeah. bit more sort of lucrative and mm. had a few more legs.
1: <laughs> so, you also wrote another book uh, called There's a Big Green Frog in the Toilet. Yep. Uh, which, as I was reading it, I was thinking back to a time when my mother, she grew up in northern New South Wales on a big farm and went to the toilet one night, which was outside in the middle of the night, and there was a snake. Oh, okay. In curled up inside it, but this one is a frog. Yes, in your book, not nearly as terrifying as uh, waking up to a snake betwixt your legs. I would imagine. But your
2: your mother's experience uh, almost mirrors mine because I grew up in oh, northwestern no. New South Wales Ugh. in a very very small town of about four hundred people. Had the the long drop down in the backyard, uh, and it was very and during periods of drought, it was just infested with green frogs, and that is basically the story of my childhood. That song.
1: I absolutely love that book also as well. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Simon Mellor about his, look, everything. He's written these two wonderful books that I've got in collaboration with Arne Doe about what do they do with all the poo from all the animals at the zoo? And also, there's a big green frog in the toilet. We were just talking there about the terrifying aspect of living in the country and going to the toilet. Uh, Simon, as well as the funny songs, you're also uh, working with Indigenous Elders in Armadale, You're uh, helping young Indigenous kids learn their local language. So how did that project come about, and how does a... Pretty white looking guy, get involved with preserving and teaching indigenous languages? Yeah, good
2: question. I come from out that way, so I have a smattering of schoolyard Camillaroy in particular, because that was the, the people of the, um, the land where the tribe where I grew up. I did a project years ago, um, writing songs and destigmatizing health issues for an organization called Beyond Empathy, and then some years later they got me back. Uh, sort of with this in mind th- this pro- That project sort of grew itself And I went out and worked at Kaya Preschool, Aboriginal Preschool in Moree I was just there for their graduation The other day, handing out the uh, Handing out the certificates to Oh, the, that's fabulous To the kids that had come out Yeah And I worked with a lovely lady called Maxine McGrady An Aboriginal elder out there Who's reasonably fluent in Camilleroy She sort of acted as my translator and there were some songs translated into Camilleroy that we recorded on a CD, uh, and we wrote one or two, uh, sort of in conjunction with, as well as you can, with three and four year old kids. <laughs> um, you know, it's like herding cats, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, pretty much a lot of the time. And it and it was it, it was really good. You know that that the the sort of medium of that music and. Mm-hmm that repetition and it's, I'm not a language teacher by any means and I'm certainly not fluent in Camilleroy, but my role is to, I feel, is to spark that interest in the kids to start sort of exploring the possibility even of, um, of learning their language. And of course, kids, as we know, ha- are like enormous sponges that mm-hmm. just absorb stuff and lay down all these neural networks at about a bazillion times faster than me. In fact, I'm probably going backwards um
1: <laughs> surely not. I have a question for you. Yep. I know you said that you're not well, you're you're not a, a a linguophile by any stretch of the correct. imagination, but some of the songs so you've got uh De Wallah," yep. which is like heads and shoulders and knees and, and toes. That's correct. Does it become difficult when translating a song which is originally written with rhythms and uh, uh, rises and falls for the way English pattern speech is, if you're then translating it into an Indigenous language or you just kind of go, well, we'll make this bar a little bit longer There's, to fit in. No,
2: no. It's pretty, it, it sticks pretty much to the original uh, metre and timbre of the song, uh, but there is, there is a little bit of poetic licence in the translation. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be perfect because mm. what, what we're trying to do is just get the words across and and it just basically to spark an interest, you know. There's, like I said, I, I can't teach these kids to speak their language, mm. but I see my role as to get them interested in that process. And you know, those kids will go away and they'll have that, hopefully, because um, those songs are earworms anyway. I was
1: about to say, as soon as you get even terrible songs, you get earworms stuck in your head.
2: Correct. Have yep. you
1: had um, much feedback from from? Uh, Adults, from the, the kids to the adults, what's, what's sort of the feedback been on the songs? And if it's bad, don't tell us. No, no, <laughs> it's
2: been fantastic. I got invited back to be the guest speaker oh, and hand out the certificates well, exactly. at, the, at the preschool a year later. So
1: so it's either like the most passive-aggressive, we hate you, yeah. or they really, really like yeah, what you've no. done. And Fabulous.
2: I, and also I've started working, I, I've, my partner Irene, who's basically my sort of business manager slash love of my life. Wow. Is... um we're setting up a program in Tumular which is another community north of Moree and Bawarana, which is sort of getting out to Burke so the the momentum is growing you know mm. words got around that, that this is is a it's a good approach i think
1: mm. and these are these are uh, new south wales like west northwest new south wales communities yep. as well do you think um that at any point or have you had a point where you've just kind of like Taken a step back and been like, oh, you know, a decade ago I was poking fun country music songs and now I'm trying to to help kids who have language that has historically it's been, you know, it's fading out. It's, it's, the, people are worried that it's going to die out. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that it's, I don't want to say, well, changed you, but compared to where you were, say, 15, 20 years ago, do you feel like this is, bigger, better or more fulfilling or has, has changed you in any way?
2: I'm just doing the same thing I've always done mm. which is write songs. I've just found a good outlet for it I guess because I've been writing songs for you know just it's something that I just can't help. It's like mm. some sort of something on the spectrum. It just They just come out. So I, I really enjoy it. I love working with little kids because they don't have a head full of prejudice and a head full of stress and and it's it's fun. It's like it's heaps more fun than. Although I have been working with adults in Literacy for Life out at Warrener as well, the the kids they're just being kids. They're just having fun. Mm. They they love music. They love movement, uh, and they're just into it.
1: Simon, what are you what are you off to next? What can we expect from you in the next little bit?
2: Ah, uh, I do. Some work with some Aboriginal teenagers in Maori doing sort of hip hop, freestyling sort of hip hop sort of music. But oh, cool! It's not my cup of tea. I was
1: gonna say you're but, in a like um, a, a checkered flannelly kind of shirt. Yeah, I would love to see if you could video that actually. But
2: they really like it. They 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 love that sort of stuff. That's As awesome. I'm, and I see, yeah, I, I'm probably not, you know, ever going to be a great hip hop producer, but. I think, I, th- I think I've think i worked out that what I need to try and get them away from is that American fantasy of mm. mansions and Cadillacs and guns and stuff and get them into talking about their own experiences because mm. um, there's a lot of great Australian hip-hop that, that deals with that sort of stuff. And I think I've made some inroads this year with the group of boys I had at Armidale High. They've started thinking about you know, things within the sphere of their experience rather than this sort of glamorized fantasy world that they see on MTV, if even MTV even exists anymore. I don't know I'm old.
1: (laughs) Well, you may not be uh, a superstar hip-hop producer, but you're definitely doing wonderful things, particularly with kids that don't have access to these sorts of really wonderful programs and ideas. Thank you so
2: much for coming in, Simon. Thank you very much for having me.
0: That was Kindling producer Elise Cooper speaking with musician and storyteller Simon Miller. Listen out for his songs right here on Kindling Kids Radio. To find out more about his books and collaborations with Arne Doe, just search for Simon on the Kindling website. That's kindling.com.au.
1: You've been listening to Kindling Conversation. If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from.